Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Wow, full house. Stand up. You look great. Um, thank you. I, I'm glad you have a cataract. Anyway, so anyway, welcome all of you watching online as well. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this is a fun day because last Sunday, as always, Jesse did a wonderful job, and I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Um, officially, obviously, this is the first uh, Sunday of uh, the year that we're doing 9.30 and 11, you know, last week we did 11 because we knew that some of y'all were home praying to recover. And uh, so we're glad you're here today. Uh, as I've been praying for this year, getting ready for this year, all of us think, what are the things I want to see happen this year that have not happened in my life or that have not happened for me? And there's nothing wrong with that. At the same time, we have to then think through our role in accomplishing what we want to accomplish, possessing what we hope to possess. And many times, people who don't know God well or know the Bible well think that God is a magician and that somehow he's just going to pull a rabbit out of the hat that we've been holding and that everything's going to be great. But the reality is we have a responsibility and a, a role to play in seeing the things happen that we want to happen. So I've declared this is a year of miracles. And uh, that's my declaration. It's a year of miracles. And I believe we need miracles. I believe they're for today. Uh, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And many people have decided that miracles were a, are, are a thing of the past. There, there was something that happened when Jesus was physically on the earth. But we don't need his physical presence. We have his spirit with us doing the same work that Jesus did when he was here. And so I want miracles in my life. But what it, when I read the Bible, I find that uh, putting myself in a position for a miracle is what's going to produce the miracle. Now, I don't work the miracle, but I give God an opportunity through my submission and surrender to do the miracle that I need. So all you have to do is you, go, you can go back in the Old Testament through the New Testament, and you can see that when the Jordan was at flood stage and Israel found themselves again at a, at a, at a river that they couldn't cross without God, that they didn't just lay there and say, now God, when the waters part, we'll get up and walk across. Instead, God says, I want you to take the men carrying the Ark of the Covenant and walk into this rushing river. And when you do so, your miracle will happen. Throughout the Bible, I see time and again that God's saying, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And so what I want us to realize today is that this year is a positioning for miracles. Now, today's message is going to be challenging. I'm going to make some of you mad, not because I want to. It's a gift. Now, I don't mean that in any way, but, but here's the thing. I want you to have everything that God wants you to have. And if I believe in the Bible, and I do, I believe today's message will be a New Year's message for every year. Because this is not something about us acquiring. Some of you say, well, we want a new car. We want a new house. nothing wrong with that. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want a promotion. I want a pay raise. And the list goes on. And so we make those our goals. And those are not bad things. But the question you have to ask is, what's it going to take for me to achieve that goal or to acquire the things I'm believing for? 
And so what we begin to do is we begin to position ourselves not in God, but in the corporation or the company or whatever it is, and say, if I can just get to work early, show the boss that I'm really passionate about my job, and that I'm going to stay late, and I'm going to show my boss how much I really deserve the raise or the bonus or the promotion. So now what you're really doing is you're positioning yourself before man, and, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying at the end of the day, God's the one who promotes. At the end of the day, God's the one that moves mountains. At the end of the day, God's the provision of the vision. And so we have to realize that I want to position myself in God so that I can experience the dreams of my heart. And the dreams of my heart are not as big as my dreams that I have for God and getting close to God and knowing God. And so it's been said that one person said, what exactly is a New Year's resolution? The response was, it's a new to-do list for the first week in January. And so basically what, what they're saying is, you know, we get all excited, we got a new week, and then the second week shows up and everything's back to the way it was. We've, you know, the, the kids are still acting crazy. The boss is still a numbskull. The list goes on, and before long, you say, I forget it. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to pray about it. And so I had this message I had prepared last week, and I sent it to our tech team, and they put it downloaded so they can put it on the screen. So I get up this morning about 4.30, and I know that's an insane hour, but when, when you know you're getting ready to preach, you're always thinking. You can't. I've never really slept good on Saturday night because I'm thinking about y'all on Sunday morning. So I get up, and I start studying, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around the message I prepared. And it really irritated me. God and I have some pretty early morning conversations on Sunday saying, you know, I did this, and now what are you up to? And so this whole thing was God said, if you'll do these four things, everything you dream of, every goal that you have, every aspiration that you possess can come to pass in these simple four things. So I, I'm not pitching you. I'm telling you this is this morning written. I, I don't like this when God does this. I'm not real happy with him. Because I'm like, God, why didn't you show me this last week? And I think the answer would have been because you weren't listening. <laughs> you know, you can try to blame God all you want, but he still remains perfect. He is not the problem. We are the problem. People say, well, how can your good God send people to hell? I said, he doesn't. People choose to go there. We don't know why. It's kind of like people choosing to go to North Dakota. We're not sure. <laughs> Never once on my bucket list before I die, I've got to go to North Dakota. Jeez, I don't want to miss that before I go to heaven. And so all of life is not about God's choice or choices. It's about our choice and choices. God's already chosen us. He's chosen every one of us. He loves everybody. It's not his will, he said, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God said, I've chosen you. And he's such a loving God. He said, well, you choose me. I won't require it of you. But if you don't want me now and you want to be separated me from, from me for eternity, there is a special place. <laughs> well, it's not special, but it is a place. Another person said, New Year's resolutions, according to surveys, only last two weeks and only 8% of people keep them. Now, I pray that once we leave here today, that's not going to be the case. That I'm, I'm, I just did these this morning. I haven't had time to, you know, when you laminate something, it's holy. So I'm going to print this out. I'm going to laminate it, and I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. Because I want to be reminded every day. Because there will be days that you will want to reach out and slap somebody, and you don't even know why. Have you ever just woken up and thought, you know, it's just one of those days I don't want anybody to talk to me. Am I the only one? You religious people. No, there are days I don't even understand myself. I said, why am I feeling frustrated? I mean, I know there's such a thing as hormones. And if you compare men and women, men are like six-cylinder pickup trucks and Women are Porsches. That means you're a lot high dollar, more high dollar than our old six-banger truck, all right? And so all of these hormones are rushing through us, and, and, and they begin to make us feel ways that we don't even know why we feel this way. 
And all of a sudden, we're being led by our feelings instead of by the Spirit of God. I mean, I, I regularly have flesh issues. Or we'll just call them flesh issues. I don't like them, but I'm not afraid of them anymore. I realize I look and go, why are you feeling this way? And why do you want to strangle that person? Oh, yeah, I can see right now I'm getting close to home. Because some of y'all woke up this morning and looked at your husband saying, if he says one thing. <laughs> he didn't do anything. You just didn't like the position he was in when you woke up. Look at him. It's kind of how it works sometimes. So what we do every year is we go, I'm going to lose weight. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to lose weight. You will the first week. You'll drop three pounds and you go, hallelujah, let's celebrate. <laughs> Bring out the cake. Three is back. I'm going to the gym. Yeah, but you're not going to get out of the car. <laughs> Come home. Your wife says, you go to the gym. Yeah, I did, honey. But I didn't get out. We have all these wonderful, glorious things that we want to do and accomplish. And the reality is the devil is against everything you want to do that's good for you. That's just how it works. And so it's not that you're a bad person. Actually, I don't believe anybody's bad. I believe the devil's evil and that we are influenced and our sinful nature is easily influenced by demonic spirits. Now, this doesn't excuse you when your wife says you're an idiot. You might be. But you're being influenced to be an idiot by a, a, <laughs> the powers of darkness. I'm scaring some of you right now. You grew up Baptist and nobody ever talked about devils. Anyway, so <sighs> I'm just trying to keep it real. So today I'm going to give you four simple things. But let, me, let me read this first out of Isaiah chapter 40. It says, why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. Now, in Ephesians, it says that God is able to do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that's at work in us. You possess the power of God if you're a born-again Christian. The challenge is, how many of you know that in your house, you have tons of receptacles, and some of, them, some of them you've never used? You've never engaged the power of that receptacle. It's available. It's there. It's hot. But you've never plugged anything into it. That's the way with a lot of Christians. That the power's there. We just haven't engaged the power. We haven't plugged into it. We haven't stepped into it. We haven't asked God for it. We haven't utilized it. I got, I got blasted once. So I posted something, that scripture, think or ask or imagine. Or I said something about imagine. Somebody on Facebook said something tacky. How many of you know that happens? <laughs> I got things I could say right now, but I won't. Anyway, and I said, because it, it was attacking the idea about imagining. God wants us. He gave us an imagination. I mean, he gave us, he gifted us with that. And it's even scriptural. And some people don't believe that. And, and, and how do you think all these great inventions happen? I mean, it's somebody's imagination. I mean, you, you, you know, you can, they're now, which is really a lot cooler if you have a heart attack or something, they can go up through your wrist and they can do things in your heart like with scopes. Dude, you were dead back when I was a kid. Something went wrong with the ticker. You were checking into heaven. But nowadays, they're saving people. They're ready. It's amazing. Medical technology, the imagination of man being gifted by God with a brain to do something that, that saves people's lives is awesome. But we dream too small. And, and, and I think it's possible that we do that because we don't see how big God is and how involved and engaged God is and wants to be. But God requires of us to let him you say well that's crazy he's he's all authority he's all power he's all all of those things he is but he's such a good god that he will never violate our will 
He never will. He'll let us be who we want to be, experience what we want to experience, and, and he, because he loves us. And he says, I've given you a free will. But then when Jesus said, I've, he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that empowers God to do in us more than we could ever do or think or imagine. So these next four points real quickly are allowing God to be God. And some of you go, that's easy. Nah, not really. At least in my life, it's not easy because I have a pretty strong will. And I'm glad Susan's over with kids today. Her Church of Christ background would have caused her to shout hallelujah. I have a strong will. And, and, and I know that. I'm aware of that. And I'm, I'm always trying to battle that. I'm always trying to soften that. And I'm getting really better. I really am. I'm not as good as I want to be, but I'm not as bad as I used to be. You'll feel right at home today. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk. (laughs) I used to be one of those. In their prime, stumble and fall, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. See, there's, there's a role that you and I play that allows the blessings of God to come our way. And many people just want God to do it magically. I'm sitting at home. I don't worship God. I don't go to church. I don't do anything. God... I'm praying to you. (laughs) God's saying, and I'm waiting on you. Guess who wins that battle? God's been waiting thousands of years, and you're not even 30 or 50. Okay, 100. So, what if we simply do the following things? Number one, these are refrigerator magnet points. I'm going to worship in church weekly. That's a tough one right there. Yeah, that's going to take two hours out of my week. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, because that's about all it is. And that's if you're serving. If you're really just attending, you come at 1105. And God help me if you're not walking out by 12.15. There we got an hour and 10 minutes. I'm not real sure I can go to church. Dear God, do you know how long that took me? I gave an hour and 15 minutes to you this week, Jesus. I'm trying. So here's my point. And those of you watching online, some of you, It's like I'm going to be sitting next to you right now. You're going to feel the squeeze of heaven. Because you're still living in the pandemic. I can't leave my house. You go to Walmart and every known disease to mankind. I'll leave it there. But in church, oh God. Those people. I'm being tacky by design. Because whenever we use excuses that cause us to go, you know, I really don't have time to go to church. Come on, man. When Jesus comes back, he was like, you know, God, you know I was real busy. I had two kids. And I was just real busy. And I know you're a God of grace and mercy. Now... Listen, I know you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. But if you're a husband, don't tell your wife, I don't have to come home to be a husband. It's just a thought. You're right. And guess what? I hope you have a pillow for the curb. You see, again, we position ourselves for miracles. Now, some of y'all prayed when I left and and, and that I would come back, and I had no plans of coming back to this 
bucket list city where the winds come sweeping down the plains. Now, I love you, and I love the people of this city, but here's the reality. I was sitting in a church three-quarters of the way up and just sitting there listening to a preacher, and all of a sudden, it's like the mic that he was on turned down, and God began to address me and said, you're going back to Oklahoma City. What do you say to that? No, what do you? It's like I'm sitting there going, "Really, God? Really? You get you? I mean, you want to use me? I'm I'm fine with just you and I hanging out." This is when I really got to know God. I didn't get to know God on the mountaintop. I got to know God in the valley, in the desert, where there was no running water. And this is after preaching for 30 years, and, and all of a sudden, I have this great experience with God like I'd never had before. Now, nothing else really mattered. I was like, it's me and Jesus. And I don't have to look at faces and people that are going, would he shut up? Can we go to lunch? <laughs> I will in a minute, but you got to give me time because this one's a good one. So people say, you know, I don't need to go to church to go to heaven. You know what? Here's the real. The reality is, do you think God designed or created the church? If I read the New Testament, he did. So if God designed a house that's called the house of God, do you only want to visit on Christmas and Easter? See you, Daddy. Used to send him a letter, but now you send him an email. Need money. How would you feel if your kids hadn't visited you in nine months and now they're asking for money? It'd be like, I got words for you. J-O-B. Now, I know God's not like us. I know he's perfect in every way. But the reality is he did set things, design things for us to be blessed. Now, if you do these following things, every dream and every goal you have is secondary to the primary. These are primary. If you want to lose weight... I'm going to give you a weight loss plan. Boy, it gets quiet. I love this time of year. <laughs> I'm going to drop 20 pounds. Yeah, you're going to pick up a 20-pound bag of sugar and drop it. But when you get your focus on God, the reality is whatever you weigh doesn't matter anymore. See, I'm, I'm liberating you right now. If you want to be fat and sassy, or oh, hold it, metabolism challenged and sassy... Go for it, Bertha. Because that's not what this is all about anyway. And don't throw away the old clothes. You'll fit back into them by about June, July. Keep them. Now, I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to get us to see that the things that we, we were pursuing are really kind of secondary. I want to be healthy. When I was 40 years old, I saw a picture of myself and went, oh, God. If I look like this at 40, what's 60 going to do to me? And that was when I determined I was creating a new lifestyle. I wasn't going to go on a diet. I'd always been an athlete, but I quit being an athlete after I ran across America in 1990. I was done. And I thought, I ain't going to work out again. Then I saw a picture, and I went, work out. Please work out. I don't like it every day. It's a discipline, but it's a lifestyle now. Five days a week, I've been doing it for 20 20-some years. <laughs> Try not to give away my age. It's very hard. But, but I, I decided I want to, because here's the reality. If you diet, the reason most people diet is because they want to look better. But the reality is if you're fat, and you, I mean, you're overweight and you feel good, live the life, baby. You see what I'm saying? We live in a society that puts so much pressure on the external and very little emphasis on the internal, which is what really matters. Some of the happiest people on earth are jolly. You see what I'm saying? It's trivial to have some of the goals that we have. And I applaud you if you, if you want to do that. I do. I think it's great. But I don't want you to feel bad about yourself in March because you quit January 1st. Or okay, the 8th. So it says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. So the, this series is called Our Passages to His Promises. The Passages to His Promises. What will it take to, to grab hold of the promises of God? Because the Bible's full of them. 
And I didn't know this growing up. I was dragged to church as a kid, never heard one sermon on the promises of God. I just heard everybody's going to hell unless you get the right lottery ticket. So I thought, there's no way I'm going to heaven. I knew who I was. And I thought, there's not a chance that there is a, an airplane that's taken me anywhere. I'm going to hell. According to the preacher I was, I thought, well, yeah, maybe he's right. And if so, I'm going to have a lot more fun than he is. So I never heard this. So the promises of God are yes and amen. That's what they are. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So if I were going to do something, and when I got born again, I got radically born again because I was a radical sinner. And so when I got born again, my, my, I, my hope was church. And I, that was back in the days when you didn't go to church on Sunday. You went Sunday morning, you went Sunday night, you went Wednesday night. I mean, and then revival. I mean, everything was all consuming. And so I just went to church because if I don't go to church, I'm going to hell. Because I didn't know how to live outside uh, 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 being a Christian, outside of being in the house of God. I didn't know. And, I, and so people look and say, well, you can preach this because you're a preacher and you love church. Not every Sunday. There are Sundays I come to church and I go, really? No, I, I, you guys look at preachers and you think we're just like, like under here are wings. No, not at all. There's not even a place where they used to be. It's a discipline. I love God and I love the house of God. But my flesh doesn't like anything like that. Our flesh is flesh. And we have our own plans. We want to sleep in. We want to rest. There's never a time on Sunday morning when you don't look over and say, this bed really feels good today. Only on Sunday. It's like you went from sleeping on box springs to a full Tempur-Pedic. So I'm going to... Go to church weekly. Now, for some of you sitting at home, you're going to get mad at me right now, and you say, we're watching online. No, no, you come to church and then watch me Tuesday again online. This is, this is, <laughs> thanks, William, I got you, baby. So here's the deal. People get mad and say, you know, I, I don't have to go to church. You're right, you don't have to. But how much of God do you want? See, I wouldn't be here today if January 3rd, 2016, I wasn't sitting in a church and hearing the voice of God ask me, what are you doing here? Now, that was the craziest question God's ever asked me because I thought I'm in church. I, well, you don't want me to be here? You want me to go out and ride a motorcycle? You know, rollerblade on the beach, whatever? I don't know. And I said, well, God, you don't understand. Who ever tells God he doesn't understand? And he was saying, I knew what he, I, I got the drift real quick. You're in another state, and I didn't call you to another state. I called you to Oklahoma. <laughs> to the mountains of Oklahoma. Second thing, I'm going to work to obey God daily. Not weekly. I'm going to go to church weekly, and then I'm going to take what I get, and I'm going to use it throughout the week to obey Him daily. And I don't want to just obey God when I want something. I don't want to just obey God when I need something. I want to obey God every day because the Bible says the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. I want to be willing, and I want to be obedient because everything I dream of is wrapped up in my obedience to God, and my obedience to God is fed by my time of listening to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when I hear the Word of God, faith is built up and enables me and empowers me to obey God most of the time. But see, what happens is people get born again. The church tells them, you know, you're not acting like a Christian. Well, really... Tell me what that looks like. Because, because in my opinion, I'm not sure many of us really act like Christians all the time. Am I right? Thank you for a little honesty up in here. 
And what we do is we quit because we're not perfect. But the reason we're not perfect is because he's perfect. He knew we wouldn't be perfect. So he would come and extend grace to us and empower us to do better than we've ever done. And when you mess up, get up. Don't give up. Get up. Because you're going to mess up. Trust me. And, and, yet, and, and I don't want to, and you don't want to. And that's the beauty of being a Christian to me is, is I want God more than I want to breathe. I want to obey God more than the biggest goals and dreams that I have because inside my obedience lies the hope that I have that my dreams will come true. Now, this is a long scripture. I'm going to read it as fast as I can. Look, this is going to help you. If you just give me a minute, this is going to help you. This is out of Deuteronomy 28, and it's out of the Message Bible, which makes it very clear to all of us. If you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartily obey all his commandments that I command you today. Now, this is Old Testament, and, and the Pharisees in the New Testament were talking about the law, and, and, and the letter of the law, the Bible says, kills, but the Spirit gives life. And they asked Jesus, did you come to abolish the law? He said, I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. What's the importance of that? If Christ lives in you, the fulfillment of the law lives in you. That you're no longer living by the letter of the law, but you're living by the Spirit of God that fulfilled and overcame the law or made us empowered to do so. Love your neighbor. Boom. So, God, your God, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. God's blessing inside the city, God's blessing in the country, God's blessing on your children, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock. Now, this is the commerce of that day, so you can, you can say the bank accounts or whatever it is, your income, because that's what they use. This is their barter. They, they, they had livestock, they had, they had gardens, so on and so forth. So, so the herds, uh, uh, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, God's blessing on your basket and your bread bowl, God's blessing in your coming, God's blessing in your going out. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They will come at you on one road and run on seven, run away from you on seven roads. God will order a blessing on your barns and your workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, is giving you. God will form you uh, as a people holy to him, just as he promised you, if you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way he has shown you. So, so I'm going to obey daily. That's my goal. So you say, well, inside that, what, what else is there? Everything else is there. Inside my obedience is every dream that I could ever write on paper. Every dream. I can write down, I want this, I want that. God, I want you to bless me. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want my bank account. You could go down the list. And inside all of those goals, you'll, you, inside this scripture, you'll find all of those goals. But we're trying to achieve things in the flesh, and I, I respect hardworking people. My father was a hardworking man, and he gave it everything he had. But our flesh gets exhausted, and in his presence is fullness of joy. And when we possess joy, the Bible says we possess strength, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that way, when we're, when we're working hard, when we find joy in the work and in obedience to God, that we're doing what he wants us to do, you will wake up with strength. I'm not thankful for all the hard times and stupid decisions I make, but I'm thankful for this. I've learned a lot of things in those dark places that I would have never learned in the light places. Some of you are in that same place. You're in a dark place, and you think it's over. Oh, no, it's not over. The devil would love for you to quit. Believe that it's over. But God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will love you always. All you have to do is get up and say, I will not give up. I'll crawl on my hands and knees if I have to to get to the place of God. I'm going to this year. You're going to have vacations. You're not going to feel good sometimes. You're going to do something. I get that. This is not a legalism. Even when I'm not in church, if I take time off, 
I want to be in church. I miss church. And I understand that. See, I don't want you to take this legalistic like, well, if I commit, I'm going to be in the church weekly. And you miss one Sunday, you'll quit. But let's just say you, you come, you've been coming faithfully, faithfully at Easter and Christmas. <laughs> you nailed it. What about this year if you said, you know, we're going to make God's house a part of our weekly routine. We're going to do this. But here's the challenge. If you have children, nowadays children are the boss of the homes. I know, I ain't got a church. Get up. You're not telling daddy what to do here. In the name of Jesus. Go in, pull the covers off, get a cold pitcher of water, take care of business. That's just abuse. No, that's called being a mama and a daddy in a world where kids are running it, and that's why it's going to hell in a handbag. My mama never asked one of my, me and my brothers. I was a middle child, and middle children already get to go to heaven. If you're a middle child, I can promise you we're going to heaven because we got the hand-me-downs from the older brother. And we wore them out, and the little brother got new clothes, too. That's all right. I'm going to wear a robe and live in a mansion bigger than both of my brothers when I get to heaven. Nah, they're good guys. I love them. That's the third point. I'm going to love ferociously. I'm not going to love tentatively. And here's why I put ferociously on there. Listen to this. Because love is a very difficult thing. The minute you love somebody, you're going to be hurt by the somebody you love. Now, they don't mean to, but there's not one spouse in here, not one couple that's been married longer than six days. Okay, three days. That hasn't already felt the pain of giving love to somebody that in a moment didn't give it back to you. It wasn't that they didn't want to, they didn't mean to, they're not mean, but let's just face it. If there's anybody in here who's never been hurt by love because you love somebody, I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, can you imagine hanging on a cross for a bunch of people who are going to question who you are? Love hurts every now and then. And that, a lot of people say, I'll never love again. I've been hurt. I'll never love again. Well, you're missing out on the greatest thing ever because love never fails. You just keep loving when it's hard. You keep loving when it's difficult. You keep loving. There are people that are hard to love. And I know some of you say, yeah, you are. I don't even know why we're here. I get it. I get it. Everybody has that moment in time. And we quit. We quit God. We quit churches. We quit relationships. We quit marriages. We quit things because somebody says, right, you know, you didn't show your love. You made a mistake. You did this. But you know what? God never quits. And that's what we have to remember is we're human. And humans do make mistakes, but God is perfect, and he never sinned in the person of Christ, even though he was tempted in every way as we are, he never sinned. Jesus hanging on a cross in agony, in pain, abused, beaten, didn't look down and say, I can't believe y'all are doing this to me. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's love. You can, tell me, you can tell me you've been hurt. You can tell me all kinds of things. But nobody ever hurt the way Jesus hurt. Not only was his physical being being beaten, but in that moment, have you ever sinned? Don't raise your hand because some of you are like, this is a time to repent. Get it out in the open. No. But if you've ever sinned, you felt the weight of that sin. You felt it. Did you not? If you didn't feel it, you really need to get born again. Because I'm telling you, when you get born again and you sin, you go, oh, that was ugly. I, I wish I hadn't done that. That one feeling that you have and I have, that one emotion, that pain of sin, multiply that by gazillions because Jesus was taking the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, into his soul. Think about the agony of that weight. And he had the strength and passion and compassion and love to look down from a cross that he was wrongfully hung on 
saying, Father, forgive them. I want to be like Jesus. When I say that, it's scary. Because to be like Jesus means that every adversity, every struggle, every pain, every sin has to be addressed the way he addressed it. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's a hard, those are, had to be some of the most difficult words of Christ while he was living out his humanity. He had done nothing wrong. That's called ferocious love. And then lastly, and this is the one that's going to sting. This is the one I didn't want to preach. So, I'm going to worship weekly. I'm going to be in the house of God weekly. I'm going to obey daily. I'm going to love ferociously. I'm going to give generously. Now, please listen. This is not a pull for you to give to this church. That's really not. It's a pull for you to give, period. Wherever it is that you go. Hopefully, I'm helping some other pastors and other churches and other locations, I hope. Because this is a subject that a lot of churches have gone away from for fear that they'll be accused of being money grubbers. And that's not what this is about at all. Matter of fact, there's more about finances in the Bible than there is faith. Because God knew that currency would have such a hold on us that it would be difficult to break. Some years ago, when we had a huge church, I told our staff, we're going to give every dime that comes in on Easter, we're giving it away. And Easter is the biggest Sunday of the year. And that year, about $200,000 came in, and we gave it all to ministries who could not give back to us. On that one Sunday. Now, when I say that, I know... It was probably a test that God wasn't tempting me, but he was testing me. Now, it was a big day for me. It was something I'll never forget, and we never missed anything after that. We never did. We had to trust God. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible, and I want you to hear it, and I I don't want you to get mad because this is about you. I want your family to be blessed. I want you to have everything that you want to have. I want your dreams to come true. I want you to be blessed beyond measure. And if somebody says, how do I walk in the blessing of God? This scripture tells it all. And I don't care if you give one dime today. Don't care. What I care about is making sure that you understand what it takes to check this off the dream list for 2023. The Lord... I, the Lord, do not change. It's Malachi 3. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, going back to obedience. Return to me. This is the grace and patience of God. Return to me, and I will return to you. Now, the reality is God's saying, if you don't want me, you don't have to have me. If you don't want to be with me, you don't have to be with me. You see, nobody, God will send nobody to hell, but there will be people who choose to go there. See, I, I, I hate it when people say, well, if he's such a good God, why does he send people to hell? He doesn't. He gives everybody the choice. You can serve me or you cannot serve me. If you serve me, I've already read Deut- Deuteronomy 28, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed coming in, blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. So we see that obedience gives birth to blessing. And this is a part of that financial obedience. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. He didn't say, I cursed you. He said, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, this scripture frightens me. 
Because for years, before I was born again, I didn't give a thing to God, except God a hard time. I used to drive by churches having been all night out partying and drive by churches on Sunday morning on my way home to go to bed and saying, I, I, I literally pretty much cursed the church. You know, hypocrites, I went off on the church. This is why I'm a preacher today. But I was not nice. I was not nice to God. I was not nice to Christians. I was a horrible human being. And when I read this, it changed everything for me. I realized whatever I have is not mine. It belongs to him. I was at a restaurant one day, and by myself, sitting in a hotel, I was traveling, preaching, and, and I, I, was, I was the only one in the restaurant. There were all these servers. There was nobody there but me. And, and, and I, this little server that came up to me, uh, serving me, I, I felt like God said, I want you to help her. And I said, how do you want me to help her? He said, I want you to give her several hundred dollars. I'm like, <laughs> and so without saying anything to her at all, I, I paid and I went back to the table and left some hundies there. <laughs> and I'm literally walking out of the restaurant, going to my car. She comes running out going, you left it. <laughs> And I said, I, I know, it's for you, and I felt like God wanted me to give it to you. How many of you know that everybody got blessed in that situation, including me? Now, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I couldn't have done that in my, my mind, my human mind. There's no way I could have done that because it would make no sense to me. But what I knew was I cannot outgive God. Now, I didn't give for the purpose of getting back. I don't have to give for that purpose. It just happens. People say, well, you just give to get. No, I just give to obey, and I get the response from God for being obedient. Bring the whole tithe, tenth is what that means, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. He says, test me. He said, I want you to test me. Isn't that interesting that the creator of heaven and earth is saying, yo. It's almost like Stallone. You try me out. I, every now and then I have to put God in this position. Test me. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out much, so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful, a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, please ponder these points. That's all I'm asking you to do. I was, I, was, I was studying. I'm researching, God, how do we set goals? What are the ways to do them? I found one, one topic, 10 ways. To, and I went, it just didn't resonate with me. I thought, because if I do all these things without God, if I do all these things in my own strength and my own flesh, what good is it going to do to me? Because God has plans I don't know about right now. He said, don't even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about it. So I'm thinking to myself, and I, I do, I struggle. I wake up sometimes at 3 or 4 in the morning with these attacks on my mind about things. I don't know if any of y'all do that. I know that I'm a preacher. I'm not supposed to say that. You're supposed to think that I go to sleep and angels just brush all night. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, hmm, Satan? No, we have those attacks. We're challenged. But what I have determined is if I have nothing, I have him, which means I have everything. I vowed if he takes everything from me here, I'll go to a nation that's desperate for God and doesn't give a flip about anything but finding him. I'll sleep on dirt floors, which I've done in other nations. And I tell you, it made me appreciate God, seeing the devastation and desperation. I was in one country, and there was a coup that broke out right in front of the house I was living in. And I thought, well, isn't this special? But again, I've realized that my life will count for nothing if I don't include him in to everything that counts. Amen. 
Make it a decision. And again, please don't think this is self-serving. It will change your life. I plan on in 2023 worshiping God weekly in his house. Now, folks, I'm talking two hours a week. Some of y'all already know the math. You've heard it, how many hours there are in a week, and I'm saying two hours. And that's giving you drive, that's drive time. <laughs> and then some days I preach a little longer. I apologize, kind of. But basically two hours. I'm going to obey God daily. And let me tell you, that's a challenge when you get around other people and other people get around you. I'm going to love ferociously, which means I'm going to love those who don't love me. I'm going to be kind to those who aren't kind to me. Oh, Jesus, help us all. And I'm going to give generously. Change your life forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're a good God. You're a patient God. You're a gracious God. You're a merciful God. You're an awesome God. You're a living God. Lord, you are everything we need. Every dream we possess, every aspiration we hold is found in simple things like these. Just every week, just giving you a little bit of our time. Every day obeying you. Loving ferociously. Giving generously. I pray for strength over everyone watching this message online, watching after it's recorded, everyone in house. Help us, Lord, to do these things so that we can see the things you have in store for us come to pass. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This all begins by making Jesus the Lord of our lives. Many years ago, I was on the brink of, of, of ending everything in my life. I was at the end of my rope, if you will. I should have been dead. But I had a praying mother, and I was the last one in my family to get saved. Changed everything the day that I said yes. And it will change everything for you. Not going to be a, you know, rosy pathway every day. But every day that it's not rosy, you'll have the strength of God to get you on the other side of the thorns. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. And those of you watching online, pray it with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. You are the Lord of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. It'll help you. We'll get it. We'll pray for you. Text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.